I'm Marcus Brown. This is a Runner's Life podcast. This is a platform for richer conversations that explore the person behind the runner. I discuss the topics that influence us as runners locally, whilst concurrently connecting us to the wider global community. If you found value in the show, please subscribe and share with your community on social media and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or the platform selected as it helps the podcast grow. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a runner's life. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's head to the conversation. Hi Vida, welcome back to a runner's life podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's going to be fun. Me, I'm, I'm doing okay, hanging in there, you know, one day is better than the next, I suppose, but doing my best. I think that's all we can do, really. It was great talking to you in episode five, where we spoke really about just the coronavirus and how to, just some, some coping strategies just to give people, runners, just an idea of what to do and how to to just approach things. So mm-hmm. today we're back with a new sort of a topic, not so much new, but just looking at the meaning of identity and especially at this particular time, how it can actually get, you know, tested um, because we're all under sort of different stresses at the moment. Yes, so we are. What is the meaning of sort of identity? Well, it's interesting. There's, Um, I more am connected to psychological identity, but basically identity from my perception uh, and experiences would be like how, what, and who we perceive ourselves to be from the inside out. Okay. And let's say psychological identity has to do with one's mental model of oneself, their self-esteem, their perceived identity. And, your identity is who you perceive yourself to be, the way you think about yourself from within. Does that make sense? Kind of. Okay. I mean, because I think the internal uh, side, but then there's the external side, and I think there's so many different masks that we can wear that. Yes, 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 your identity absolutely. Can get kind of mixed. It's hard to know where you start and where someone else begins, type thing. That's what I sort of find. Yes, it has two components, identity, for sure. It has an internal component and an external component. You know, um, there's the component of our unique self on the inside, which we take with us wherever we go. And then there's the external component, which is restrained um, and sometimes not available in order to retain the ownership of our identity. You know, and it's it's kind of a balance that one needs to work on. And how do you move closer to that sort of the in the the real you, and sort of filter out that kind of noise? Really, that's really a um, interesting question. It's very hard without doing work in therapy. It's very hard to um, separate them. The in you you have to consider doing more work on the internal. Um, identity, how you perceive and identify yourself. And the more strength you gain in that, the less the outside becomes a stressor or a source of pressure. You know, Um, it's like, who do you perceive yourself to be? Do you like your name? What do you like about yourself? How do you feel about yourself? It has to do with self-esteem, how you define yourself, all those things the, the focus needs to be on the inside so then the outside makes more sense. 
um, how you, how you, what, what you bring to the world, how the world sees you. You know, the stronger or more defined we are from within, the less it really matters what the outside world sees, feels, and thinks. You know, but there's something you can develop as you get older. Yes, I think with the right kind of support, yes, it, it most certainly is. You know, a lot of people are way so concerned with what they're supposed to be doing at a certain age and stage in life, um, and they don't really know who or what they are. I mean, um, an example could be um, I've had people come to me who've been through law school and medical school, and they just don't like, you know, what that amounts to after they graduate or even before they graduate. And so we'll get into talking about how or why did you decide to do that? And they'll talk about that. My dad was a lawyer. My mother was a doctor. And I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's where I got my identity from. And they never really took the time or knew how or had the skills to develop their own self-identity. So they did what they thought was expected of them. Um, That's including people who get married young or older or who get married when they don't really want to do that and just do it because they think it's expected of them. So yeah, it's, it's, that's something that needs to be developed. And the only way to develop that is to grow the skills, um, that, that help to facilitate that, if that makes any sense and to continuously question, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And in order to be able to question that you need to grow the skills to question that along with um, the self-esteem. I have, you know, I mean, sometimes issues of identity come up. There's, I have a couple of patients that are going through a name change um, process. I've had several in the past, but people have a, a certain relationship with their name. It's not something they gave themselves. And sometimes with the desire to change a name comes that whole issue of identity, which basically asks, who am I? I think such a difficult think? question to to really sort of determine because even for myself, it's you grow yes. up and you go to school and your parents say this is the way that you need to be to to succeed in the world. School yes. says you need this to succeed in the world, so you start building these little things um, in terms of building on grades because then that gets you approval from teachers, parents, or whatever. Then you think, well, once I go to university and I do this, then I'll be happy. Then once I get my job, then I'll be happy. Then once I get qualified, then I'll be happy. Then once I get this massive house, then I'll be happy. Then once I've got money in the bank, then I'll be happy. And then it's always, always after and after and after. Right, and right. During this time, you're still thinking that you're, uh, you know, living consciously as an adult, but it's not, uh, you know, so straightforward. No, I mean, it's not. Yeah, and, and it's your relationship to those external expectations that builds identity. That's what your identity is about. Otherwise, you're a bit of a, not you, but a person is a bit of a, like a robot, right? They, they do what they think the world expects of them or their world expects of them without ever stopping to question. And they do. Usually it takes a crisis to make them question something, either a psychological one or, God forbid, a, a physical one or illness that makes them question, wait a minute, you know? Who, who am I and why am I living this way and, and why am I doing this? So it, it's th- those skills, if they're not grown or developed early on, um, I raise my son that way, always to question, you know, who are you, what do you want, and why are you doing it? And it, um, it, it's skill-based. So 
I understand what you're saying, and it, it's hard sometimes when you're a little bit older to realize that. First, you got to get over the shock of it, but a, a, a healthy self-identity can be grown at any age in my experience, my clinical experience. Is that you've given them that sense of yes. awareness from quite early, you know, question, not question everything, but just yes. know why you're doing it, whereas the other side is just do as you're told and then figure it out later. Yeah, no, no. Absolutely. And that's one that that point right there that you make. And I also teach parenting classes, you know, um, from the psychological piece. And I bring up things. And that's really one of them. One of the things just do it as you're told. That's a famous, you know, adage. And like, so my thing is like, well, first, I'll ask people, you know, well, what do you think of that? And have you been told that? And would you say that to your child? And why? And so we just pick it apart. And I kind of try to teach them to understand that, you know, it's, it's a power thing for you to say, do as you're told. That's not a, it's disrespectful. It's, you're not teaching the child anything. You're just roboticizing them, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, yeah, that, that's, that's a very important point you're making. Um, and it's something I'm very uh, sensitive to. That's why I teach about it early on when I get the chance. And in our last conversation, I remember you saying something about working with people towards the end of their lives and yes and the sort of things that they brought up that were important can we sort of just go over that yeah I don't remember exactly what I said but but just as I'm looking back at it now and just the things that I recall it it's the relationships the quality of the relationships um doing feeling connected to themselves and what they wanted to do in the world as opposed to you know, um, being hampered by their limitations. Um, I don't remember like precisely what points I was making at the time. I think what I the, got from it more so was just the appreciation for you know, doing the things that were true to them and, and listening to what they wanted to truly do rather than doing what they thought they should do or spend yes. more time doing the things with people that they love more than, you know, being yeah. spending more time at work. Yes, the the and connection was a big deal. The co- connection, um, compassion for themselves and others, but but relationship was just a huge thing. That they were sad that they didn't have closer relationship with either their children or people that they cared about. And this whole thing about loneliness is, you know, questioning like what did what did they do? What could they have done different or better? you know, that they could have felt closer to another human being that they cared about. Um, the quality of, of, of compassionate touch, relationship, closeness, that sort of thing. I mean, there's also why didn't I travel the world type of things, but it, it's connection to themselves and positive connections with people around them that I recall hearing the most about, you know, that, that really touched me personally. You know, why didn't they get to know themselves better? Why didn't they have a better connection with themselves as opposed to what they thought they should do in the world? And although this is a running show, running still is a way to experience um, yourself and yes. uh, your emotions in this world in a creative way, um, in a physical way. Um, and it's quite, a, you know, a real thing, very tangible. So the next thing I want to talk about was the differences between, or is there a difference between a runner and an athlete? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, 
what 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 it's interesting that that you bring that up because um running is something that a person does because they do it for fitness they do it for because it makes them feel good and it depends on you know if when it becomes more competitive and when it becomes more focused and with a lot of um attention to fitness um and more so the competition you know is is what makes an athlete what do you think i was having a conversation with an, an athlete um Eva cook on the podcast recently and she said something which really resonated with me she said once you give something your your everything then you've got everything to lose so oh, it's really? just about, interesting it's about how do you sort of manage and hold you know go for what your goal but then still hold it lightly I think it's just that kind of that sort of juggling act that we're all trying to figure out really right but you know it's interesting why the loss you know that's an interesting point um because when you like I would ask the person maybe why do you feel it's your everything because what makes them a great runner is not the fact only that they run because running is a one manifestation of who you are as a person and your habits and you know it might be your everything but in reality you are focusing all of your strength time and attention to it so that's the connective tissue you know it's a huge outlet for you or whoever to embody their strength and determination you know um but it's who they are as a person that that people most admire like Roger Federer for example or famous runners i mean athletes from many sports are considered truly um impeccable people because of the degree to which they push themselves beyond their comfort zone without giving up and so if you can't run that doesn't mean that what makes you an athlete or what makes you a runner doesn't go away um they they might feel that if you're not actually competing maybe that's part of it that it feels like you know um it it doesn't have the same pizzazz to it but who you are and what you are doesn't as an athlete as a runner what do you think doesn't go away just I mean, because right I, now you cannot run competitively yeah i think if i give some context to it um Aoife is a you know an elite runner and something she you know she had a talent from it from a early age and she ran competitively and for Ireland um then she went to college um and had some success there but then had some suffered some injuries and then had some sort of those kind of middle years where it kind of she was a bit lost without the sport um and then she sort of rediscovered that and she just kind of got some real fire in her belly and you know she's doing some amazing things and i think That's once she's safe to run again she'll you know she'll have some more amazing results so um she sort of goes to show that you know you know i see what you're saying you have is it have to do with the results that that aren't available at the present moment in terms of running No, I think it's it's more to do with um previous results, but I think because the period that she went through in college, I think that mm-hmm. was pretty tough where you know, is it results focused and it's pretty cutthroat. Uh-huh. What I do in therapy with athletes is, is try to use the integrity of who they are as an athlete, what makes them be able to do what makes them be able to run and there's some people like myself who have a history of running marathons and then have injuries and they can't do it anymore and then there's that period of frustration and sometimes you go to different more manageable sports 
but it's what makes you an athlete, what makes you internally, you know, have that drive that I focus on so that it's not so results oriented and more focused on the integrity of running of the person who is running than the, only the, the end result, because it I focus on the journey part of it, you know, like you do. I know that, you know, I, I so admire the way you talk about the different how you, you know, work towards up towards races and stuff and how one day you might be able to do X, the next day you might be able to do Y. And I just admire the way you phrase that and the way you, you know, write about that. I mean, so I know that um, you're pretty, maybe have a similar mindset about that, that it's not just the end goal. It's who you are as an athlete running and how you feel about yourself on a given day. And it's the results that build integrity. I think, um, it's getting to the result, not the result itself. Yeah, I fully agree. And I've had the situation myself where I remember speaking to a family member and having this conversation. And I think people probably have the perception that an athlete is what we see, like the top level runners. And then there's everyone else. Now, yeah, exactly. I agree, there are tiers of, you know, uh, standards. Of if course. If you train, you know, five, six days a week, if you're eating properly, if you're sleeping properly, if you're doing the things that an athlete would do, then why would you deny that that tag of yourself and say, well, that's not me? So uh, I think if you're acting as an athlete, then you should really sort of embrace being an athlete. Yes. You don't have to be winning gold at, uh, you know, the Olympics marathon or winning you know a major marathon to, to sort of call yourself an athlete exactly because the athlete is how you live how you live and how you move through every single day of your life you know it has to do with your nutrition as we spoke early on and what your food choices are and how you sleep how you exercise without i think i sent you some article about this man in china that was in a marathon with around his house you know and and it's how you mitigate this this life that in your personal habits that makes you an athlete and how do you react to the fact that perhaps there might be times when you can't go a distance or god forbid if something you break or strain it i mean the, it the integrity and the quality of life of an athlete is i think just as important as the end result and i think too few people i've worked with a lot of athletes over the years of my work and and it just it's changing their mind that makes them feel more of an athlete and as opposed to leaving that and suddenly gaining a lot of weight, eating junk all the time, et cetera, et cetera. It's not like a black and white type of thing. You know, it, it's not a, um, it, it's not a, doesn't have to be a disordered eating, you know, so dichotomous, but that's how they cope is what makes them, I think, a true athlete at heart. I think that you more you do, and as you progress along the journey, the better you feel about yourself. Yes. And it's not something that just arrives and you're just like, right, now I'm a runner. Now I'm an athlete. It's, it's, you know. Yeah. If you're not running, you're not an athlete. That's, I, I mean, with all the respect to whoever thinks that, I mean, I, I think that's hogwash, you know, and I've worked with some pretty well-known athletes in my time. It's just, and it, it's sad that it's that way because then you become like an object, you know, and you come become like a symbol and it's not, it's not the um, integrity of who you are as a person allegedly doesn't have much to do with that. And I just think that's wrong thinking. 
I think as well the challenge as well is that people may look at other people and think, well, they're a proper runner, they're an athlete, but I'm not, and mm-hmm. sort of downplay their own sort of abilities and strengths and things like that. And something I've noticed in doing this podcast, and I've spoken to different people from a range of strengths, and actually, you know, the fire in your belly, everyone has it. I've spoken to it just some run quicker than others but mm-hmm. they're not any better or worse of a person than mm-hmm. the faster or slower runner so it's yeah and that's where it comes back to, to identity who am I who am I? I'm not just a person that, that can do the mile the next amount of time what who is this person that's moving god willing if they have their two legs you know who's moving their legs in such a way and, and making this kind of a time in this kind of a, in this kind of a distance, who, who is it? Who is that person? And, you know, like if you want to talk about runner's identity and we, we mentioned that, I mean, in order, I think this is a person, perfect time in the world to grow one's running identity, you know, and, and now because they can't really race or run due to these current restrictions, they're going to change shortly, but Identity is something that you grow in times of adversity as well, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's in times of adversity, like I say, that we grow. And ironically, when I look at this time, I think, you know, the skills from running have, you know, if you look look within yourself, you've got skills to cope with this situation. Absolutely. Because often you're running and things are uncertain. You know, yep. you're thinking, can I get there? Can I? But you think, just put one foot in front of the other. And, you know, yep. you sort of take a small part of that cake and then you, you eventually eat the whole cake. So, um, you know, I think we've got a lot of skills. I think sometimes people can sort of forget the skills that they've gained um, from the experiences that they've, they've, uh, they've had, not just in mm-hmm. running, but in their lives. Isn't it your more challenging races, runs that have taught you the most about yourself, the, the well-publicized ones? I mean, aren't those the ones, at least it seemed that way from what I spoke to you personally and also read that, you know, it seemed like overcoming adversity as an athlete, isn't that really what builds your identity is in part? Yeah, for sure. Like for me, Boston 2018, yes, I mean, I yes, run past I and, yep. but I mean, that one is one that still sticks in my mind just because um, we knew that the weather was going to be really bad before. And I had this exercise of basically writing down all the bad things that could happen and all the good things mm-hmm. that could happen. So when the, the, the race started, I kind of had you know, pl- planned everything out with scenarios. Obviously, you can't plan for everything, but it gave me a lot of confidence going into it. So once the race started, I was kind of just switched on in this kind of this frame of mind. Yes, and that, that's perfect. Yeah. But it's funny, when I got to the end of the race, and then, I, you know, people have seen the interview for Abbott, um, and I got asked a question, what does it mean to you type thing to sort of to achieve this? I, it's, it's funny, I spent all that time just not, feeling but just doing what I need right. to do and then yeah. when you start to feel then it's a different sort of ball game yeah 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 but you you prepared yourself for as best as you could that's that's the other piece of it is that you that's also part of your runner's identity is a person who looks at not just okay how fast am I going to get it in there and what can I do to get it faster it's just part of your identity is being prepared as much as possible for different situations. So if adverse adversity occurs as it will, and, and as it did, you pretty much have something to draw on. I mean, your our mind is our best friend and our worst enemy, right? And, yeah, and you, you know, problem solving in the run. 
You're problem Go ahead. solving. You're exactly, you're just problem solving on the run. That's uh-huh. the way I see it. Yeah. And when that happened to you, there was, you know, most of them, maybe you didn't think about all of them. How could you? But the, you had a lot of things to draw on, like, oh, oh, shoot, you know, this and this and this. I thought it might happen. I didn't want it to, but here it is. And how, what am I going to deal? How, what am I going to do? What should I do to put one in front of the next? And that, that's a very powerful thing. That really is, you know, and, um, but, but still to dig deep and deeper yet to find the motivation to finish it and not to quit. I mean, that is just so much about your identity as, as an athlete and identity as a human being, as a man. And running teaches you that, I think. It really does. You know, um, it's it's a very important thing, especially in that particular one that you're referring to. I remember every pretty much every piece of it. Yeah, it was a good learning experience. And it's definitely helped me as I've had some uh, different challenges from marathons last year so but you you're always building on each experience but there's people forget that there were the races at the beginning that I didn't feel as confident and I wanted to quit right. and I quit but didn't quit but I mean I just I mean you, you kind of mentally give up so you stop running you start walking you start yep. feeling sorry for yourself um all the all the things that you don't like just sort of come to the fore yes um, yes not those things that ever go away you just get better at been able to manage which voice you listen to yes but you keep walking though you could be walking a person could be walking like just talking to this one you know you could walk and you could cry and you could think oh my god I can't do this I don't want to do this I'm, I'm just going to quit and you might you know stop for two seconds but then something picks you up and you just walk as best as you can until you can maybe run or maybe trot or whatever it is you need to do. But that's what defines a runner. I mean, the drive that you have inside yourself to keep going on in a race, just like in life and persevere through fatigue and through incredible odds. That's, you know, what makes you an athlete and an athlete with a certain kind of integrity that a lot of people could really use that to learn from to internalize so that they maybe begin to perceive themselves differently as runners and as athletes. It's not just the end result. It's how you grow your character, who you are as a person inside of the athlete. I think there's too much uh, focus on speed. And while speed is important to a certain degree, you've got to remember that no matter how fast or slow you are, you're still experiencing the same things, which is in different spectrums. If anything, I've got respect for people that, you know, finish, you know, the New York City Marathon, you know, way over, you know, the time, the average sort of finishing time because they're on their feet for such a long time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, but then they look at someone who's run like a, you know, two and a bit hour marathon as like some sort of superhero. Well, you know, they're all going through different similar types, you know, Different experiences, but, you know, similar types of pain, you know, physical and mental. Yeah, and we're all absolutely. sort of just trying to figure out how to get through that. Absolutely. You know, and it, it takes a lot of courage to believe in your strengths, especially when you don't feel like you're doing it as well as you'd like to. And maybe the reason you want to, and then comes a good point is to question why isn't that good enough? Why is it? Are you doing it to compete with yourself? Are you doing it to compete with somebody else? What is it? Are you doing it to uh, improve who you are or how you are, your I mean, w- what is the reason? That's the, all the pieces that are connected to identity, which is our topic. You know, I mean, what 
why are you doing what you're doing in the way that you're doing it? Whoever it is that, you know, we're addressing just to, to question, to keep on questioning why, you know, and to focus on the integrity of what they do and the real strengths, not just the results. You know, like you're saying that you admire the people who have the courage to keep on persevering, not just the ones that finished first. You know, running is a mental game um, on, on many different levels. And this is a really important time to dig deep and to identify what does it mean for me to be an athlete as a runner? Who am I? It's a perfect um, time to ask oneself those kind of questions. What do you exactly. think? I mean, the thing I'm thinking is like, who are you when you're not running? That's the question. Yeah. yeah. I think you need to ask, what would you advise people to sort of think about especially specifically for that question well you know who are you when you're not running you're 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 the same person who's not who's not um doing that right now you're the same person you know and inside of you you're the same person you take yourself with you wherever you go we take ourselves with us wherever we go i mean it it's just there are other ways to um, manifest and actualize those kind of uh, pieces of ourselves that we bring to being an athlete, let's say. Um, it, that kind of a strength, that kind of integrity, you can bring it to, you know, relationships. You can use it in um, creativity, which I recommend to a lot of people. Well, what should I do when I'm not running? So I try to draw on their creative pieces of themselves to try to help them explore the emotions and understand what's going on inside of them. It but it's the bottom line is you're the same person. You are the, that same person. You're not just a, a body with legs that's moving and moving and moving. That what makes you able to do that, the skills, the um, the the ways of expressing oneself physically, the, the fact that you can you know um, have that regimentation every day to take care of yourself in certain ways. That doesn't stop because you're not out running. It's the same person. What what have you what are you thinking about that? I don't think that the person t- maybe they think they are different because they're not outside on the road. That you know, like I've been told this at least a few dozen times. When I'm not out running, I don't know who I am. So I try to help them bridge the gap between who is that person that's out running and who is the person that's who who and what is inside that person. So if that same person, you know, goes into the kitchen and creates a recipe that's healthy for them. Um, and fun, you know, to make it. And I kind of teach them how to do that uh, to say, why is that two different people? So you bring the same integrity to the kitchen, let's just say, or to how they play with their child as they do to how they are on the road. I think also that people focus, not people, some people can focus on what they've lost rather than what they have. I can't do this race, but you can get up and run. You can go out. And I think the worst case is like you could be in prison in solitary confinement. Yes. You're not, yeah. You you can Absolutely. go out, you can do things. Absolutely. So, it's a trigger. It's a trigger. The focusing on loss, you know, I think that's an important point, you know, that the focusing on loss, and I've heard it a lot, the focusing on loss is a trigger for something deep inside that's not been processed um, at all or correctly. You know, and I find that every single time there hasn't been a time when I dug a little bit when somebody's kind of exhibiting depression and anxiety because they can't get out and run. So when I push that to the side and look at the loss, you know, I find out 
10 and times out of 10 what what they really did lose. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with the fact that they couldn't go out and run. Like you said, you know, you could, God forbid, not have legs. You could be incarcerated. You could be a lot of other things, but you're not. You know, you still have yourself or different parts of yourself. But it has to do with the story. That's the psychological piece. There has it's it's a trigger. And that trigger is not a bad thing. It gives us the opportunity to find out what's going on inside that makes them feel the way they do that not being able to run brought to light. Does that make sense? Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah, I know well, it I does. Think you know, just being in, in normal life, you everything's so busy, everything's just going, you haven't got an opportunity to pause. And now we're being forced to pause, being yeah, forced people, to be alone with yeah, our thoughts. And absolutely. some people just don't like it. It's uncomfortable. No, they don't. No, they don't. That's spot on, beautifully said. They they don't because what it brings out is what is, what's really going on inside of them, you know? Um, some people, when there's a lot of, when they have time to pause, they just can't take it. So of course they, you know, ask for medication or they do all kinds of things to suppress the pause, be it medication, be it alcohol, be it compulsive eating or not eating. Um, but, but more of the first three I mentioned. So that pause, I think is a, a gift of this whole terrible situation, uh, in the world, but it, it's a total gift. And I call it a gift because not because it feels bad or not because it doesn't feel good because it's an opportunity for you to learn about yourself, what your real self and what keeps you from being at peace with who you are in the world. You know, so I, I think it's that pause is a very important um, opportunity to learn. Very important. Yeah. And just reflect on, you know, maybe what things you can this is reflecting yourself really not good or bad just to be able to reflect and just sort of see yourself for what you are and exactly and just and to, just you to know, be with it absolutely and and i'm not the type to you know give five suggestions or anything of the sort but one of the things i think is really important is if you kind of think of that statement i just made that what we've been talking about it's really good if a person would consider your listeners whatever consider getting out a yellow pad or some kind of a notebook and, and writing out the things, what they're feeling. What is this pause in the world bringing up for them right now? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? It could be from, for, for the, you know, no judgment, no value. It could be positive things. It could be negative things. It could be, but, but what kind of, it refer, I refer more to the angst. It could be, you could separate it so that you could see how long is this list and how long is that list, right? But what is this pause bringing out for them, you know? What, what is the angst about? Tell me about your angst. What's going on? Where are you feeling and what are you thinking? That would be one page. And, you know, on the other page might be what, what positive things have come out or are coming out in a given day. You, you know, I'm not saying let's write a philosophy book. I'm being very practical, you know, about what kind of positive things have you felt in the last day, two or three? You know, if they can, and if it's interesting though, because after they agree to go along with me, some people don't have anything to put down there. So I might say, you know, well, geez, that's interesting. What do you feel? What do you think about that? And after we process that, you know, we could look for ways to find some positivity if we can. And you know what? Sometimes we can't and that's okay. But so we figure it out. But the thing what writing does, it gets it out of the head and it, you know, uh, very much makes it, um, where you can see it on a paper so that it's not just thoughts flying around in your mind, in your, in, in the screen, in your head. And it, it's yeah. a very powerful tool writing about that in that particular way. 
there are sort of genuine concerns. I know there's running, but if you look wider than running, people do have genuine concerns about looking after their family, their work. Yes. Uh, maybe it's their employment. Maybe they're uh, they've got employees. You know, they're, they're worrying about how they're going to keep them on. Um, so there's lots of genuine things, and Absolutely. these stresses can impact your running for sure. So yes. it's not saying yes. you know just suck it up and just just no get, no no get through it. Um, you just got to acknowledge things for what they are. Yeah, just just see it for what it is, you know. I mean, and if they do have to try to bring their best self to their employees and in, in, in conversations, you know, I, I highly recommend some kind of a, a I don't even want to call it meditation. That word makes me a little bit uneasy these days because it's just too overused. But just to sit with themselves and to do some breathing and to become aware of their breath and focus, just just to be still, find a place they can go outside or inside, wherever they're comfortable, and just be still and focus on their breathing and let that help to calm them so that they can then go and approach if they have to speak to some employees, if they have to, um, whatever it is they might need to do if they're worried about money or how to figure out the next right step. They have to go, sometimes the worry at this time takes you outside of your body, right? You feel like you're torn in 20 different places and like your body is just coming apart. So owning that and becoming more grounded, you know, is another term that's overused, but that's really what it is. Um, and connected to yourself so that you can gather the strength and the courage to go and do what you need to do. Because it, it is what it is. It, it's a difficult time. But how to mitigate that is not how to deny it and say, oh, yeah, it'll be fine or whatever. And you know what? I hope it's going to be fine, but it might not. And the way to move through it is to go back inside your body and gather the strength to move with it, to navigate it, you know, and breathing is an excellent way to do that. You know, it's, it's just a simple thing, but it, it really does put you back inside yourself. I think whilst, like you say, breathing is an important thing, but I think as well, it's just setting time in the day to to do these things because although yes, we yes. can know they are good to do it's quite easy to sort of start your day and just be fast forward and just let the day overtake you and yes so I think it's absolutely a routine. That, yeah that's why it's good to start with it I highly highly recommend that to people that before you you know hit the ground running and you don't even know who you are speaking of identity you don't know who it is that just hit the floor and started running literally you know uh, psychologically if not physically um, but there's something about, you know, even rolling out of your bed in the morning and just sitting on the floor and just breathing for being aware of your breathing for, I don't know, two, three minutes at least. And then telling yourself, like I said last time, I am okay. I am okay. I am okay. And you just even saying those words and hearing oneself say that, I mean, it might sound like, um, nonsense at first. It's not. You know, because hearing yourself say that to yourself is can be a very powerful thing. And if you don't believe what you're saying, that's okay too. It could be food for something to write about. It could be food for something to talk about. But it's like you giving confidence to yourself that you are going to be okay. It's out of your mouth, into your ears, having nothing to do with anybody else. It's like a way of teaching you how to believe in yourself even when you don't. I think the, the language you use is so important. It's not saying you don't think the thoughts, but I think what you say is so important. 
and I can yes. sort of relate say I'm in a everything. train run and mm -hmm. yeah, physically I'm hurting you know mm -hmm. mentally I'm hurting but I don't say it out loud that uh you know I'm feeling tired because once you say that it's almost like you've cut the switch oh yeah and then you're totally kind of you're cruising not lying to yourself but you, I just say something else and like a different set of words but like I think you said in there having something in the morning where you sort of start off by saying whatever you say you just got mm -hmm. to fill yourself up in the right way yes yes it's it's so important because you know I mean that the, the negative talk w will come because it's there and it just it's waiting to pounce on you um so you need to dig deep whoever you are you need to dig deep inside to to kind of counter that and say wait a minute no no i'm okay i'm gonna be okay so the negative one might say you know yes but your job is you know you don't have your job right now and this isn't good and that isn't good that that those voices are there that talk is there but so is the one who feels more suppressed who feels not as strong he can't get up and say no. You know, he might not believe what he's saying, but but if he wants to protect himself for the sake of himself, for the sake of his family, for whosever's sake, that's why the importance, like what you were saying, that language is everything. It's what we say to ourselves about ourselves. I'm going to be okay. You don't have to believe it when you say it. You don't. But then it kind of shrinks the other voices they're saying listen you're not going to make it you're going to lose your house you're going to lose your car you're this you're that it's a way of telling them to quieting those other voices down if that makes sense because they're all there yeah. yeah the way i think we 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 talk to ourselves is important but also i think is the way yes. that we talk to other people and i think we're learning learning that absolutely how we best communicate with others especially under Peers of stress that we all we all are in. Yes, yeah, no, that's beautiful because there's we have to start off with how we talk to ourselves to learn to be you know be it via therapy, via a group discussion, whatever. To to first of all to look at how do we talk to ourselves. So we we're just saying that we even if we don't believe what we're saying to speak positively, like saying that in the morning thing that we're suggesting that you, you'll you're okay, you're going to be okay. This day will end up okay, like that. But then I think part of the problem I've seen in terms of relationships and couples is pretty disastrous. And I think what, what's happened, I don't think, I know what's happened is that for some reason, which is based in anxiety, a lot of people have given themselves permission to lose their filter, to say what's on their mind because they feel like it, you know, and that they think that it's okay suddenly to say that because it's their partner and, um, they're not going to run away and whatever story they tell themselves. <clears throat> but as I try to explain what that does, losing that filter of thinking before you speak, it destroys relationships. And this is not a time to destroy. It's a time to build and it's a time to enrich. So when one has a desire to say whatever's on their mind, you know, we're here at least, you know, to suggest that, that please don't do that, you know, because what you destroy it's going to cost you more than, than the good feeling of saying whatever the heck is on your mind, even if it's not a, a respectful or positive things to say. That release is it's kind of like a binge eating or something, you know, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So to consider pausing before you speak, whoever you are, you know, to consider just taking a step back and asking yourself, listen, is what I'm about to say, is it respectful? Is it kind? Am I projecting something onto this person because I'm not dealing with my own 
you know, um, I don't know what age group is around here, but my own stuff, you know, I mean, what, what, what is my intention behind what I'm about to say? And if you like willing to take that pause and breathe into it for, I don't know, however long it takes, two, three minutes, I'm hoping you decide to either say nothing or to figure out how to phrase it in a different way, or maybe write it down first, say it later, whatever it takes, because it's, well, it's unimaginable the damage that can be done and has been done in relationships where people are just lost their filters and it's rampant. I hear it several times a day and it's very, very destructive. And that's why I'm emphasizing it so much because we want to come out of this situation stronger in our relationships, not having destroyed thing, people and relationships that are very meaningful to us. And there's ways to do that that aren't that difficult if we're willing to learn. So easy just to... So I say something, you need to react. Yeah, it, it's not simple especially at all, really, after. because that impulse, that impulse to let loose with some people, especially if it's yeah. driven by anxiety, is very difficult. It's very difficult for them to bite their lips, so to speak. Not literally, don't get me wrong, but, but just to, to zip it, as I say, the Z-I-P it, you mm. know, because they don't want to. But I'm suggesting that as adults here, the best, most important thing you can do for yourself is zip. Just don't say it. Don't say it. Even if you think it's you want to, you need to, it, it, it's whatever, because in the big picture, what you want is a positive relationship with whatever it is. If it's your wife, your husband, your boss, your kid, most importantly, <laughs> you know, relationships are the staff of a big part of our lives. And we don't want to do things to destroy them because it's very, so easy to destroy and so hard to build anew. It really is. Trust me, over 30 years and I've seen so much residue of people who just don't know how to zip when it's important to do so. Talking of uh, maintaining relationships, a lot of people run with other uh, people, have running partners, have running groups, yes. running yes. friends, and they can't run together. Or, yeah, you know, that's tough. It's, you know, they catch up on Zoom chats. I mean, and they're sort of finding it tough. I mean, how do they sort of manage during these sort of times? Well, what I recommend is is the Zoom thing or, you know, FaceTime or whatever works for them and to explore other pieces of their personality, their, excuse me, their relationship. Like now they, they have the opportunity to, to, to talk more freely and to get to know each other so that imagine when they can go back out and run together, they'll even be better friends, won't they? Or not. Maybe they'll find out they don't want to be running with this person, right? But it's just more communication. Again, speaking of which, more opportunity to sit and talk about whatever it is and maybe figure out other ways, other things they might have in common or not. But it, it's, I see, of course, I prefer to, you know, as a holistic person, as a healer type, to look at how you can enrich, how they can enrich their relationship, you know, that's not necessarily on, on the road. Um, and, and the goal of that is just to, you know, deepen the relationship um, or understand that that's really not your running partner is not who you thought they were, you know, so there it's, it's a win-win on both sides, if that makes sense, you know, but it, it takes um, a commitment to meet them often. Like instead, if you were going to meet somebody Thursday at three for a run, whatever, maybe you can take that time to meet on a zoom and have a really good chat, you know, and, maybe cook together, which I use as a, you know, therapeutic modality, or maybe, I don't know what, just get to know each other. You know, it kind of would deepen the experience when they can get back out on the road together, I think. And, or like I said, or not. 
yeah, it could either strengthen it or sort of weaken it. But I'm just sort of thinking there's people that run together, you know, got running partners and their running together actually makes them train harder. Yes, absolutely. Yep, yep. The difficulty now is that you're running solo. Now, some people are used to running solo, but there's Mm -hmm. some people that, you know, run in teams and, you know, elite level athletes, you know, or don't have to be elite to, 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 you know, to benefit from a team. So, how do yeah. they kind of right right so the ones that are used to having to run by themselves now which is a lot of people who are used to training with somebody else you know the opportunity for them is to dig deeper and to find it in themselves or maybe figure out a way that they can you know take the their phone along with them and maybe now and again pull it out and just say hi to the person and so on like that but to and it's an opportunity, like I said to this one guy yesterday, to enrich your relationship with yourself as an athlete when you are used to just talk to yourself in those moments when you're used to talking to so-and-so and and just seeing, oh, Jesus, you know, I'm, I want to stop and they're moving, so I'm going to keep moving because they are and that's going to keep me going. You can learn to provide that for yourself right now. You really can. Like split yourself in two. I'm not suggesting a, a personality disorder here, but literally that part, there's a part of you that can come out and say, let's say you're tired and you can't anymore, that comes out and says, hey, you know, you just, you can do this. Just keep on keeping on. It's okay. You're okay. And literally talk to another piece of yourself, you know, and I've, I've seen a couple of guys try that and, and they, they loved it. They thought I was nuts at first, but they agreed to try because they know I'm not, you know, and it, it was very, very helpful to kind of split, doing a combination of splitting themselves, you know, talking to themselves. And also in between that, just pulling out the phone and talking to so-and-so for a second, you know, in a safe manner, of course, and helping them, helping that keep them keeping on. That makes sense. Yeah. I think one thing that I've sort of learned at this time is how important teamwork is Mm -hmm. um, and how, even though running can be running by yourself, the team is still important. Oh, um, totally important. It's definitely a challenging time. Yeah. So um, I think we're all but, just trying to manage the best that we can. Absolutely. But then to write down and ask yourself, you know, within the ring, the possibility, what is the most important for me, you know, with my team? How does my team best support me? And seeing what elements after that's written in a place where you can see it, see what elements of that in the current situation you can provide for yourself while you're running. And then maybe you know, after the run, check back in with them and say, hey, I did this, this, and this, and so on like that, if that's helpful to them at all. And I know some guys report that it is, but they seem to be most enamored by the fact of seeing what, that they've had to dig much deeper and seeing what it is that they can do for themselves that they never thought they're capable of, even deeper than before. And that can actually serve you quite well once races do return, you have that extra yes, string indeed. to your bow. Indeed, for sure. Um, and, you know, when you're doing your long runs solo, although it would be ideal to run with, you know, more than the, the, with the you know, team doing it, if you can get through those ones yourself, and like you're saying, it's add that extra tool to your toolbox. Um, now, I want to move to the next question. Sure. Um, how does one sort of maintain a running identity uh, during these sort of current times when you can't race um you can't see your running buddies um you know you've got virtual races but you know it's kind of restricted mm-hmm. i mean how do you sort of maintain a positive running identity when before you 
could live a certain life, but now you can't. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the first thing would be to con- to pause and consider what made you embody and maintain that identity when there were races and there were when there were not any of the restrictions. Like what drove you to run and what kept you motivated to keep on running? And so the qualities that make a great runner, ones that you still possess off and on the field, I think, um, they drive you, you know, the drive, what I mean to say, the drive that you have inside of yourself to keep going in a race and persevere through fatigue and long distance is a huge part of who you are as a runner. And that, that doesn't change. So if you can draw on those pieces of yourself now, it, it might help. You know, if you, I mean, like to recognize those pretty amazing qualities that you have that make you the runner that you are, um, you don't have to have the races right now to still identify as a runner. You know, you have, I think you you need the courage to believe in your strengths. And I think that'll help you maintain that sense of identity, if that makes sense. Do you think it actually would make runners more engaged themselves in terms of going by feel a bit more because you know it's quite easy to say get you know sort of sucked in by technology and what your watches are saying the stats that you're doing per week per month and now we're just having to be so we're actually having to feel more I mean that technically could be could be a good thing yes absolutely absolutely I think it, it deepens your identity it deepens your sense of yourself and I'll be really interested to see how that, if one uses it in a positive way, how that will enrich them as an athlete once they can get back on the field, you know, without having to worry too much. I'll be very intrigued by that because, you know, you you add your feelings to your performance. I think it only stands to enrich you and deepen your perception of yourself as an athlete and as a runner and maybe improve your scores, not I don't find that the most important thing, but maybe help you enjoy the process more. Yeah. I think some people probably can run probably just because they're running away from something. So when you said yes. the first point, going way back, it made me think when times are good, you can run from race to race, medal to medal. When you've not got that, you're sort of stuck with the person yes. that you're not yes. fully comfortable with. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's a, it's an opportunity. It, I mean, the, the truth doesn't necessarily smell good. It's not necessarily comfortable, but it it's an opportunity to learn about you and, and to figure out what that discomfort is all about. So if you can process it and, you know, move through it and understand it, it will make you enjoy um, being an athlete more and it will help you to, um, I think it will improve the quality of the experience if you can deal with who it is that you are living with right now. The, the, the part of yourself that you're living with right now. Yeah, I think, you know, that because when you're so busy running from race to race, if that makes sense, you know, you don't have to pause. You don't have to look at it. You don't have to see it. Yeah. I think we stop and look at the strengths that you have not just through running or in this life in general, you can actually see there's actually a lot, maybe a lot to you that you may have overlooked. Yeah. hundred um, percent. So. That's very well said. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not come, might not be comfortable 
to see it in. And more often than, than not, it's not comfortable to see it. And that's why people are so busy running away from it, you know, because they're, they're running away from something. And that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes people are running from very deep pain and trauma, you know, and, and it's, it's helped them to distance themselves from whatever it might be. But the fact that you can't really do that right now, it's a gift. Trust you me, it's a huge gift. You just need to learn the skill, you know, to mitigate that and to deal with that. And I believe that you can deal with that, whatever is in your life's bundle, you know, whatever is in your story that's keeping you that uncomfortable, has kept you that uncomfortable that you needed to build your whole life around running away from it and not dealing with it. You can, you can do that. For people that are feeling really lost and don't have that sort of grounding underneath their feet, so to speak. How can we sort mm -hmm. of get you them and back on track? But what I would encourage them to do is f stay focused or if they're not, they don't have any, try to gather up inner strength. Okay. And, and try to um, develop them during this time to create inner strengths that they can um, access. Um, if that makes any sense, you know, to draw, try to draw on things from deep within themselves and think about the state of mind the, of this positive state of mind that when they're pushing forward and then they will succeed, hopefully, you know, and how these circumstances, these circumstances are just there to, to test them. So, but, but the key is to gather some and create inner strength, to grow inner strength as much as possible. And not to focus on their losses, but to focus on their um, gains or what they could gain from connecting to themselves in a positive way. And it doesn't have to be amazing, you know, life-changing. You know, of course not. You sort of tell to like, you know, someone you look up to, it could just be very small things that you've achieved or something you've done that day, you've done it well. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Small, building. small little things, you know, there's, I mean, in, in a, in a dark room, there's always a little bit of light and whatever little bit of light that a person might've experienced on a given day that they did, you know, the, the trick or the, the, the goal would be to focus on what came off positively. They might sound like, um, trivial or whatever, but it's not because if you focus on your small wins, that's where the magic is. That's one. Two, to do something creative on a daily basis. I don't care if it's cook. I don't care if it's um, a, a grow plants. I don't care whatever it is. If it's drawing, whatever it may be, you know, creativity is, is a really important tool that they can use to feel better about themselves, you know, and to grow some positivity in what feels like a dark room. Just before we get to the sort of the final questions, we've been talking about identity running. Yes, absolutely. Now. The last question I've got is, if I'm a runner, what defines me? Runners are, everybody's different, of course. You know, uh, runners are people who run and they come, some run to compete and some either on an amateur or professional level. Um, but what defines a runner is a person, in my experience, who is courageous, who is a resilient individual um, who is not, who has learned not to be overly faced by immense obstacles or challenges. I mean, marathons are long distances, you know, and it's incredible athletic feat to complete that in whatever time, record or not record, you know, 
And I think that living and running during this time of COVID-19 is, it's, it's a long and difficult battle. It's been what, two months, whatever, but it takes a credible mental strength to overcome this, you know? And I think a runner is not only defined by the way they, about their physical condition, how they train, or let's say how they compete, but how they mentally train and hone their mind not to succumb to even daunting challenges that are present or ahead. And that's part of what I think defines an athlete and a runner is a person of um, incredible courage and resiliency in my experience of working. Um, yeah. Do you think that's innate or something that people learn? Oh, I think it's definitely learned. Absolutely. You know, as they become more in, in, dig into their athleticism and, and know what it is to achieve, they can't just, you know, if they stop at their first failure, if they fall on their face and they never get up, then they don't know what it is to get up and to move along. And that's not that's not an athlete. That's not a person who somebody falls down because something happens. It's the art of getting up and keeping on moving again and again and again and again. And, and, you know, learning from people like you how to go about it. I mean, that's what makes an athlete and a runner, professional runner, um, be they amateur or professional. But I don't think it's innate. No, I don't. Absolutely not. Maybe for children it is, but when we've been through, you know, experienced all these life stories, you know, that's what makes it difficult. Because you hear some sections say, you know, it's something I was born with, and then they kind of take, almost like they take ownership of it. But I sort of feel that, yeah, there may be been a spark, but you still need other people to help take you there. Oh, absolutely. Yes, you do. I mean, yeah. That's sometimes what therapy is about or counseling or whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Or friends or, you know, those are different things. But, yeah, you help sometimes need somebody to help take you there. Yeah, absolutely. Can't Even do like it all by coach, oneself. Yeah, yeah, yeah like absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yours is an amazing one, actually. Um, and um, we can't do it by ourselves more often than not. So be it a running coach, a therapist, I think it takes a village of a certain kind to get us from point A to point B. And that's okay. You know, it, that's okay. It's community a good thing is, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Community is so yeah. important. Yeah. Um, and to know how to create it with the right people around you, the small circle, like you said before, that's, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Your running coach is amazing. I think. Yeah, he's a great guy. And um, something I think I've learned about coaching from him is that it's not just uh, the running side. You have to be a very good people person and just understand people quite well. Because I think probably coaches get to know their runners probably better than their friend than the runners know their friends. Yes, friends absolutely. Sort of yeah. You know, it's a tricky thing because there, I mean, think your coach is amazing, but there are some who don't know where that stops and where a need for a therapist comes in. So they kind of overstep that boundary without having the training to do so. And I've seen it be a dangerous thing with people that have come to see me, you know, but I, I think it's important that they know what they're, that they talk about what they, in terms of the, the human or, or mental health side of um, running, I think it's important that they be really skilled at doing if, if they're going to go on that side of it and to knowing 
what to do, what to say and what not to say and how to say it so that you don't touch something that you shouldn't like, a you know, a, don't put your finger in a fire in, in an emotional or mental health fire when you don't know how to handle it. I think that's an important point, but you just, in terms of a coaching, yeah, I really think it's important to have a professional, you know, coach like you do. Yeah, I think as well, they have life experience as well. So, um, they can see things, uh, hear things that you've probably not said but you know sense it yeah rather than yeah. being like yeah. this is the program yeah. absolutely and sometimes do. yeah and sometimes you know or the, the ones I respect the most are the ones that are sometimes they you know they reach out to me and say you know what this and this happened with my client and so on like that I don't know how to navigate it you know could we talk about it or should they come and see you once or twice or something like that or so I, I really personally respect that a lot because it's it's a very intimate the coaching is a very intimate relationship that if it's done correctly, like it is in your case, that they need to know how to navigate that. You know, it, it can be a very sensitive thing. It has to be done correctly. No, I agree. I think it's been great talking to you. I think the subject of identity in sport and running and during this current time is there's so much we can cover. Yes, um, absolutely. So we it's, have it's... not gone into such as body image and those kind of issues as well. And, um, oh, that's a big really? one. Oh boy, I could spend an hour on that one. Oh my God, I've just been yeah very confronted with that lately. Speaking of the fact that this time that this pause has you know allows people to the either the if you want to call it the opportunity or not, but they see themselves in so many other ways. Speaking of body image, that they don't when they're busy running here and running there. That yeah, body image is huge with um, sports and running in particular. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and just the way that even from coaches potentially down to the athletes and um, there's just so much into it. I think that's probably one for another podcast. But um, absolutely, I just want to wrap up and just get your final thoughts really on just uh, identity and just best managing it and uh, keeping that focus um, during these current times. Just to wrap up what we just said uh, previously. Yeah, I mean, it. I think it's, a, like I said, and I'll say it again, I think it's a real gift during this pause to ask yourself, who am I as a runner? Who am I? Who is this person that, that you know, is really thinks that they're really impassioned with this desire and need to run and get and to be an athlete and get better and better and better at this craft? I mean, if if you explore the opportunity to see your relationship to what you do or what you think you want to do, you'll enjoy it so much more. And if you don't know how to approach it, there's ways to learn the skills. You can Google it, you can reach out to a, a therapist, or you can reach out to whoever, you know, be it like a professional coach that's into sports. But the you, it's important to know who you are and how you feel about yourself and how you perceive yourself. So in opportunities, you know, that it, not opportunity in situations where you can't run now it's, there are certain reasons for why you can't do it. Let's say, God forbid, you need some surgery or you, you lose your, your health or heavens forbid. And so on like that. I mean, you, you don't stop becoming an athlete. Like we said, you don't, that, that character of what makes you an athlete is still with you. So this is an opportunity to learn all about that. And if you haven't been able to put it into words, this is the time to learn. And the best way to do that is put it on paper. Put it on paper and see, because when you put it on paper and read your own words, you get to know yourself, right? And yeah. if you don't know what you to do with that information, get somebody to help you process it correctly. 
is the best way I can put it. But identity is very important. You know, as I said before, it's what and who you perceive yourself to be from, you know, inside and outside and how you feel about the way the world responds to you is, is the second piece of it. Um, you know, what is your relationship to what people say about you as in this case as a runner? It is of second importance, but the most important thing is who are you? What, what does your name mean to you? What do you perceive about yourself that's important to you? And what would you like to change? If anything, you, you are not stuck with it. You can shift, shift and shape your identity in any way you want at any time. It's never too late. So Focus on what that. you can control, for sure. Yeah, and, and you have the freedom to shift your identity and your perception of yourself at any time, at any age. You have that. You just need the tools to do it with. You are not stuck, and it's never too late. Rita, it's always great talking to you. Thank you for uh, coming on this uh, episode. Oh, it's my of the pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you, and, and thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a runner's life. If you want to get in touch with me or see what I'm up to, you can follow me on my Instagram page at themarathonmarcus. Your time is valuable, so thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a Runner's Life podcast. Thank you.